Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. That's awesome. Well, the the uh, gloves on the wall look pretty cool. Well, Dylan, you'll you'll appreciate this though. So, uh, where I've got my uh, helmets hanging up in my garage, we took down the fence around our backyard, and we had all of this old wood. I mean, this stuff—I don't know how long it's been up for, but uh, you know, it's like old and weathered, and it's got the holes in it, and just it's super cool looking wood. I'm like, well, shit, I'm not going to get rid of this, so I repurposed it. Uh, into this little alcove where I have all of my helmets and my, I've got, I build a little stand for my gloves. Um, so like when I pull my motorcycle in, it's just, boom, my helmets are right there. But seriously, man, my helmets hanging up are not even close to what uh, those stands are. Yeah. How'd you get, how did you get the idea to do that? So you just, you had these uh, bicycle chains and then you welded them together. Yeah. So it was when I was at Rocky mountain ATV, um, here in Payson and uh, I was in building maintenance and we just, we'd have a, the whole conveyor system, uh, there was a set of chains that ran on some gears and stuff. And so I used those first, but then I was building so many of them and then ran out of those chains and then I used dirt bike chains. And so, yeah, so they're pretty hefty, thick chains. And then I just welded each link together and then yeah, made it made it loop, and I tested it on on a helmet, and it worked out perfect. So <laughs> it's like the coolest looking thing. I've never seen a a helmet uh, rack like that for motorcycle helmets. I mean, I've seen them uh, where you can hang your helmets up and display them, and they look really cool. But yeah, that yeah. is super cool, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was that was uh, there was a time when I was super broke and just had to be creative to make everybody's Christmas gifts. And so that was one for my friends that I had to make. So really, so you just, you came up with this idea. Did you make them for yourself first or did you uh, make them for your friends for Christmas? And yeah, I made them, I actually made them for my friends first. So they were, they were the test dummies and I made, so again, just trying to be scrappy. So it was free chain. And then I, there was these awesome pallets that we had down to work that, I just screwed onto these pallets. And then, uh, so my buddy and his wife, they both had, uh, Harleys and, and yeah, so I just, I made them first and then I made these for, for myself and then, uh, and then yeah, Christina too. So that's so cool. Yeah. Just think well, if, my, if you had, if you, were, if you had money, you would have bought somebody a, probably a really nice uncreative gift. Yeah. If they were broke, you had to go in the imagination and come up with something phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, exactly. there's a lesson in here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how life is, right? I mean, when you when you don't have resources, you got to be creative. Right. Money's yeah. money's a resource we don't always have. So we've got to be creative about what we put together. Right. And we have to we gotta look around. It's not as easy to just uh pull the you know, as as pulling hey. out cash and going and buying something. Right. All, all the great foods of the world started out as peasant food. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. yeah. If you look back in history, that, that there is no doubt about it. Yep. I listened to that um, 
uh, History of Food, or I can't remember the exact name of it on Audible. It's one of my favorite. It was like an 18 or 19 hour uh, audio course and uh, fascinating to just go through and learn about how food progressed and what people ate over uh, the centuries. And the majority of it, it was fascinating that people ate according to what the religious construct of the day was. So if if the priest wanted um, lamb, then lamb was what you were supposed to sacrifice to God. And so then the priest would eat that you eat everything else. And this, wow, this yeah. just repeated itself throughout history. Yeah, and, and, and because they didn't have really cool methods for preserving it, it was all seasonal. Right. Yes. Yeah, which makes seasonal. a big difference too. Yeah. yeah. Well, Miles, you're, you're jumping into a conversation, um, you know, that Dylan and I have. This is, this is pretty typical conversation. It just bounces from one thing to the next. Oftentimes, it revolves around something having to do with either motorcycles or cars. Um, but we kind of we pop all over the place, just like you and I do. But it's uh, the, big, the only difference between when you and I talk and when Dylan and I talk is uh, every once in a while I get a little sleepy, not because Dylan's a boring guy, but because I'm sitting in this chair. Uh, we got we got my barber here tonight, and I know what you're <laughs> thinking, Miles. You looked at me and you said, "Steve, you look really good tonight," and and you're right, I do, uh, because I saw Dylan a couple of days ago, and we've been talking about this episode for uh, for quite some time, because I, you know, we share something that is uh, I think pretty cool. Uh, we share a couple of things that are pretty cool. Number one, we both found out later in life that we have ADHD. And um, so I think that's pretty cool. We're going to talk about what that's like to find that out later in life. Well, let me um, find out. Wait, before you go on, this is not going to be one of those podcasts where at the end of the podcast, I've joined your club because you've set up, talked about so much information about ADHD. And I'm going to sit here and go, Shit, I think I have that too. <laughs> I got the book right here, buddy. No, but I, I think, so we found out that we have it, right? Uh, and and then I think the other cool thing is what I said earlier, that we found out later in life. You see, ADHD can get diagnosed uh, really at any stage of life. Um, many people find out they have it when they're younger uh, and they get on medication and the medication can be extremely helpful for them. Uh, but there's different strategies depending on uh, the stage of life that you, uh, you get diagnosed with ADHD. Now, I'm 46 years old. I'm, I'll be 47 in this upcoming May. And I got diagnosed uh, probably six or seven months ago, uh, which we'll, we'll get into talking a little bit about my story. We'll get into talking about Dylan's story. And um, man, I've been going to see Dylan for a few years now to get my hair cut. And one day, I, could, I don't even remember how it came up. I don't know, Dylan, if you mentioned it or if I mentioned it, but uh, somehow we got up to the fact that we both figured out later in life that we've got ADHD. Now, you're younger than I am. How old are you? Uh, I'll be 31 in December. So, And, and you found out, uh, you got diagnosed at what age? Uh, 30. So I just, 30. Was, when you figured it out, I figured it out. It was like, we were <laughs> it was on like the same like, wavelength for that, for sure. Yeah, it was pretty serendipitous. And, and so we'll, we'll jump into our stories here. 
but with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve podcast. Uh, joining me in Oberlin, Ohio, looking suave with his great looking haircut, uh, since we're on the topic of hair, the most interesting man that I know is W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. <laughs> It's you fun know, to be was, back on together. Yeah, yeah. I'm tired of walking around the house talking to my plants and my rabbit and talking to my books. I'm like, where's Steve? Well, I had talked to Steve and a guest. <laughs> it's been a couple we of are. weeks at least, yeah. Yeah. So well, and in we the are. mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Today's guest, as I mentioned before, is my barber, Dylan Clark. Uh, a great barber, probably the best barber I've had, and not just for the haircuts, but for the conversation. Uh, Dylan, tell our, our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into uh, doing what you're doing. Yeah, so grew up in Utah, um, down here in Payson, Utah. And yeah, I, mom is a cosmetologist. My sister's a cosmetologist, so it kind of runs in the family. Um, I didn't go into barbering right away. I went after I graduated high school, I went to UVU for one semester and we can get into the whole, the it, looking back, it makes me realize how, how much my ADD or ADHD had affected me. But that's one semester of, of college just was not my thing. I just struggled, just couldn't pay attention, just any of that stuff. And so uh ended up going to work i went to work at rocky mountain atv uh originally started out bailing cardboard for eight hours a day and then worked wait, my wait, way wait. Up. what is bailing cardboard i've never heard that before what does that mean is that like yeah, bailing so hay yeah yeah essentially so you're you're okay. just putting cardboard into this compactor that eventually fills up and you have to put a wire like bail wire around it and then okay throw it on a pallet and then someone comes and recycles it so it was oh my gosh yeah that was some mind-numbing like it it's kind of funny because it you just you're so in the zone and i just had music going all, all the time and just you didn't talk to anybody so for me it was really hard because i'm a talker i want to talk to everybody and you gotta have the conversations. Uh, yeah. So, so I was missing out on that. So there's a few, there was many times I got in trouble for stopping what I'm doing and going and talking, you know, <laughs> a little time theft there, I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, so eventually worked my way into uh, building maintenance and quickly realized, you know, well, kind of quickly realized I wasn't going to go anywhere. Company's really young. Um, all the upper management was in their forties. So for me, I just knew I had to do something. Uh, and then my friend and I were out riding our, our Harleys and we were going to get some, uh, oil over at legends motorcycle in Springville, um, which is a really cool motorcycle museum. And inside that museum is, or was, it's now changed quite a bit, but was a barber shop. And my buddy had hair to the middle of his back. And he's like, I'm going to cut my hair off today. Let's, let's go talk to this barber. So while he was getting his hair cut, he had said to the barber, like, Hey, my friend is interested in cutting hair. What, how did you get started? And then the shop owner, uh, Steven Roncazella just told me everything where he went to school, told me his story. He's got a great story. Um, 
But yeah, he told me about the barber school in Midville. And that night I went uh, home and just applied and it's an automatic acceptance. They just want your money. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) not a lot of hoops you get to jump through to get into the barber school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they just need your money. So I did that and graduated in 2000, early 2017. And then, yeah, I've been cutting hair ever since. So yeah, you got into it. I have a 14 year old kid here. There's a 14 year old kid here in Oberlin. He just started cutting hair and Mm -hmm. and I let him guinea pig on me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So I posted it one day and then another guy who's a chef wanted him to cut his hair. And then for my son, who's also 14 for his, uh, um, uh, high school dance the kid cut my son's hair so now people know he's cutting <laughs> hair and he gives you steep 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 discounts yes <laughs> right right yeah was that was that chef uh barnard that yeah was on yeah, our show was, okay yeah i was chef yeah, yeah so, if, you, so if, said, if our listeners haven't listened you got to go listen to to our uh, episode with chef well, so Dylan, you got into barbering. You got uh, uh, you, you work at a uh, uh, place here in Sandy, Utah called Wild Boar Barbers. You right. guys are full, um, hard to get into uh, because you guys are doing such a great job. But I want to take it to that uh, to the fateful day, right? We'll call it that, <laughs> the fateful day when you and I were sitting and talking. And I think that the the day that we started, like. You know, like when you realize another person is kind of like you and you just are pointing at each other. It's like that old Spider-Man cartoon. You're just <laughs> all the Spider-Men are pointing at each other. And we're like, wait a minute, you know this? Oh, I, 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 I but, that, but that's me. And so we ended up, I think everybody had left the shop. The right. haircut was done. And I don't know how long we talked for an hour, hour and a half afterwards. We just kept going and going. Right. Because not only did we share this um you know, connection with this idea that we have ADHD, but the fact that we're, we're, we're learning this later in life. I mean, it made so much sense. So talk about what led you to the point where you figured out, Hey, there's something going on here and I probably should get tested or, you know, what, what, what led you to that point? Right. So when I can't remember exactly, I kind of feel like it was you uh steve when you were in my chair and talking about adhd i was like huh and then you're like well have you read this book adhd 2.0 and i was like oh no i, I haven't uh, and then you were like oh listen to it read it whatever you got to do digest it and uh but in that in that conversation i was like huh that makes sense oh i do that oh yeah i do that and i can't remember if i had talked so i I'd started going to therapist um january or february of this year um Mm. then uh talking with her just you know told her kind of my life story and stuff and then all all the trials and everything that i've gone through and then now time had passed and then i said the next session i was like do i have adhd do you think i have adhd and she's like Yes, you do, but let's do a actual test. <laughs> like, There's no pause. It's just, no pause. Yes, you do. Yes, yeah. yes, you do. Uh, and so, so yeah. So it was after our conversation that I, I officially asked about it and tried to get a test. And so her and I did the test and checked basically all the boxes except for a couple. And 
she's like, yeah, you have ADHD. Um, you know, you can do, you can use medication if you want, you don't have to. And so right now I've chosen not to, um, just because I kind of feel like I've gotten through this world and this life for the last 30 years without it. And let's try and hack it a little bit, um, mm -hmm. and see what, what comes of it. So yeah, so it, it's uh, that's cool to hear. I forgot about that. That's what had sparked it. So I remember that conversation because uh, I don't know how many months and months ago it was that my uh, my daughter came to my wife and I and said, "Hey, I'm you know I'm struggling with with few things. Do you mind paying for uh, me to go see a counselor?" And uh, we said, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever you need, whatever it takes. Um, we're, we're big believers in physical and mental health, right? There shouldn't be no stigma on any of those things. If you get cancer, there's not a stigma around it. Mental health shouldn't have a stigma either, right? So right. anyway, she uh, uh, came back and said, hey, uh, the, the counselor diagnosed me with ADHD. And my initial response was, there's no way. Yeah, I mean, you sit and you read a book for hours on end. Uh, you can focus. There's, there's just no way. And she goes, no, that's, uh, you, you know, that's, that's actually part of it. Um, so I said, all right, you got to give, give me more, like help me understand this. Cause I'm, I'm blown away when I thought ADHD, all I could think of was like that hyperactive kid, the one that you don't give to sugar to you just bouncing off the wall, never give him caffeine because he can't sit down and sit still. So my daughter, um, recommended a book. And I can't remember the name of it. I started to read through it and it was a pretty interesting book. And then about a week or two later, she said, no, there's actually a better one that my uh, counselor just told me about called ADHD 2.0. So I uh, downloaded that on Audible, started listening to it on the way to work. And I get about a quarter of the way in and my mind is just blown. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my daughter to a T. It's yes, she can focus for a really, really long period of time. And then she can't and she won't remember things. And then I get further into it, further into it. About halfway through, I think, wait a minute, this is genetic. Where did this come from? And then something starts to wake up inside of me about, you know, three quarters of the way through the book. I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder if I have this because. This sounds a lot like my childhood. This sounds a lot like the way I was in school. I got almost finished with the book and I, was, I thought to myself, I, I, I gotta go get tested. I, I would bet my life that I have this. So I schedule an appointment. Um, and I think I, you know, after, as I was about halfway through the book and I was explaining it to you, that's where we started to connect. So we probably went and got diagnosed right about the same time. You at age 30, me at age 45, 46. Um, and, uh, what a, what a, what a crazy <laughs> path the way that it's uh, come up. So, you know, I wanted to, uh, have the conversation today really, and, and anybody that's listening to this so that you understand we are, uh, just three guys having a conversation. We are not experts in this. We are not, uh, telling you what to do. This is just our experience. If you feel like you have ADHD, you're not sure, go get tested, you know, um, have a have a professional work with you. 
Um, and as Dylan mentioned with his path, uh, that he's not doing medication, neither am I, uh, that doesn't mean we're opposed to it. Uh, I, I think that, uh, from what I've studied, what I've read and what I've seen, medication can be extremely beneficial. In fact, if you have not listened to Andrew Huberman's podcast on focus and ADHD, I would highly recommend when you're finished with this episode that you go listen to the Huberman, Huberman lab podcast on ADHD. I think he, he does one of the best jobs that I've listened, uh, that I've heard of explaining what happens in what we call, uh, a, you know, a non-neurotypical brain, right? We are neurodivergent brains. So Dylan, uh, let, let's jump into once you got the diagnosis of ADHD, uh, what, what was your initial reaction? Um, just everything clicked everything made sense you know i just growing up it was it's always been a struggle just i was like your daughter i could sit still i very much followed the rules i didn't break the rules um so if a teacher said sit down be quiet i could but my mind wasn't there my mind doesn't stop it goes a mile a minute like <laughs> It's funny because I follow, you know, now knowing with ADHD what I what it is and and how it affects me. Um, following certain Instagram pages, uh, there was one where it was a scenario of a woman walking through her kitchen and just different things were going on in her head and different voices and all this. And I show it to my fiance Christina, and I'm like, "This is what my brain does all the time." Like I, it does not stop. It, it will not stop. And so, um, and she's like, Oh my gosh, like, I'm sorry. Like you have to deal with that. And it's, uh, it's funny now because she, after, <laughs> after I was diagnosed with ADHD and we were talking about it more and more, she's like, do I have ADHD? <laughs> she has ADHD. It's so, contagious yeah <laughs> so so it is it is funny because miles will have it after this but um yeah <laughs> but, but yeah we it's uh yeah so for me it's i just i'm just trying now to to learn what what to do how to handle it um with without medication um but like you say i, I am open to medication I'm, I'm it's not that i'm against it uh i kind of you know, I just, I'm choosing not to, um, but wait a minute, before you go, can we, can we back up a little bit for somebody yeah. who, because <clears throat> Steve said something that's both of you guys have said something that's antithetical to me. Uh-huh. And this, the one with Steve was your daughter can read books and be yep. focused. And then when you said, um, what was it that you could sit so I think a lot of our listeners, I know I am, I am still now lost as to what exactly is ADHD. Yeah, because yeah, that's I've a great always question. thought it was what, what Steve said, you know, that hyperactive kid can't sit still, can't, you know, is always fidgeting and moving. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm hearing about a, a young woman who can sit there and read a book and you can have a teacher tell you to sit down and be still and you can actually do that. So now I'm lost as to what ADHD is. And I, I don't want to, I don't want this, our listeners to just miss this. So could you guys back up and really take us? What is it? Yeah, it's a great question. So, and that was and one do, of the things that really, it? yeah, <laughs> maybe, 
Um, so one of the things that I learned when I started to study this is that the, it ADHD is a condition of the brain. It's essentially the way that your brain is wired, right? So there is a neurotypical brain and then there are neurodivergent brains, which I think is really fascinating when you think about those two words, maybe the neurodivergence are the typical ones and maybe the other ones aren't, but we'll get into that another time. Um, so with ADHD, and there are different symptoms, but with ADHD, you have the ability to focus and you can focus more than what anybody else can focus until you can't. And so ADHD oftentimes is this condition of the brain of two diametrically opposed conditions. One of the things that um, I think one of the authors, uh, Hallowell and Ratty that wrote ADHD 2.0 talked about is that think about a normal brain, um, a, a non neurodivergent brain, right? A neurotypical brain. And that brain has a shift or a switch in it, right? So your ability to focus, when your ability to focus goes up, then your creativity or your openness to the world tends to go down and then vice versa. So when you're more open and you kind of go into this, what they call default mode, then your focus goes down. And so it's this regulator switch. So one goes up and then the other one goes down. The problem that um, people with the neurodivergent ADHD brain have is the switch doesn't work very well. So the way that uh, the authors talk about it is, and I've actually heard others say the same thing, imagine driving a Porsche with bicycle brakes, right? So you've got this massive powerhouse of an engine, but you can't, your brakes don't work very well. And so you might run into this situation where the focus is high and the creativity is high as well. This is one of the reasons why some people with ADHD, and in fact, probably many people with ADHD struggle with more consistent negative thoughts, because when something bad happens in your life, you might be able to put it into perspective quickly if you have a neurotypical brain. But those with neurodivergent brains, they focus like laser, laser focus on whatever that problem is. And at the same time, because the regulator switch isn't working, your creativity is going crazy. And so you can go from zero to a hundred in no time flat, which means you can go from feeling good to holy shit, the world is going to end just like that. And uh, just, you know, like Dylan's uh, fiance said, I'm sorry that that's how your brain works. Uh, it really is it's something that's it, it's like phenomenally crazy when you think about that this thing, that the brain works like that. And I've seen that happen with myself. That's That's part of what I've had to develop over the years is that when something negative happens, I have to learn how to strengthen the brakes to say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We shouldn't be in focus mode and massively creative mode at the same time because those things don't work well. So, you know, there's there's this huge dichotomy with all ADHD brains. Dylan, fill in the blanks for us. What am I missing here? Yeah, I was just going to say, for example, uh, a prime example is yesterday. So it's a tale of two days. So yesterday is a day off. Today is a day off for me. And yesterday had intention. I had a plan. I'm going to 
clean the garage and I'm going to organize my trailer. Like I had tasks because we're leaving for a vacation this Saturday. And so I had things that I needed to get done. Well, then yesterday, starting to clean out the garage, Christina grabs a jacket that's hanging on the wall. She grabs a jacket, a mouse jumps off the jacket onto her, falls to the ground, runs away. The whole day is now shifted. It's I didn't clean the garage. I didn't get anything I needed to get done. <laughs> it was all shifted to this mouse. So my focus transitioned into this. And then today, so I took everything out of my garage, risked it all, left everything outside last night, set traps out just to try and catch this mouse, go out to the garage. <laughs> and it today. was raining and snowing last night. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, you wow. know, we, it was, it was a choice. It, it was a decision that was made. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and then go out today, the mouse is caught perfect so then today went into all right we're going to clean the garage so i can focus i can hyper focus and i knocked out the garage task but then my sister calls me and says hey can you come help us move our fridge that completely distracts me that pulls me away from the garage i was almost done had a few things to do left go help my sister come back. I come back and I'm working. I come into the office and I start looking at stuff on the computer. Next thing I know, three hours pass by and I am not anywhere near being done with the, with the garage. Like I just needed, I, if I would have came back and would have focused in on the garage, it would have been great. But then came back in, started working on the, on the computer. And then I lost track of time had to hurry and get ready for this. And so the garage is put away, everything's done, but you can just get diverted so quickly with an ADHD brain and like not even think about the other tasks that you had to do. Um, and yeah, you're going to so say. What, what would the, the long version definition of this be? And Steve, you have the book because I'm still like a little puzzled. Right. As, well, as to what this is like what so what would be the long if you know uh, I, i'm almost certain that most of us out here in the world um you know we have this kind of shortcut to what we think it is right so what is the technical long version definition of this because i am well that's <clears throat> yeah so that's the interesting thing is that there are uh, I believe one one uh, researcher has identified uh, most agree. I believe that there's a, there's seven different types of ADHD. Now there's one researcher out there that says no. There's actually a, I can't remember what he says. Close to like twenty different segments or different types of ADHD. Now the authors of ADHD 2.0 uh, talk about how many people in our day and age because of the digital distraction that we have going on have some form of adhd they call it vast um, and i can't remember off the top of my head what that stands for but anyway it's essentially just um uh, it, it, it has nothing to do with the way your brain is wired but it has more to do with the habits that you have so if you're in a habit of touching your phone picking it up and looking at it if your habit of 
every time it buzzes, you gotta you gotta pay attention to that, or you you turn this way or that way with every ding because we're always on. So okay. that's pretty typical of our yeah. of our day and age. That most people will may be listening to this podcast and they say, "Well, I get distracted easy." Well, most people in today's day and age do, right? Right. right. But those with ADHD their brains are actually wired different so you live on this scale this dichotomistic scale where one day you may be completely focused the next day you've got complete monkey mind where it's bouncing all over the place you know this morning for instance i woke up trying to get into my my morning meditative routine i'm reading it feels okay but it's not there's no flow there so i think okay today's a monkey mind day and I go to the gym and I start going through my workout program and I don't, I lose track of my reps. And we're talking like I'm doing sets of six to eight reps. And I, I don't even know what rep I'm at. I'm like, well, it hurts. So, all right. I just keep going until I can't do another rep. So I take whatever set that I'm doing to failure if I, if I lose track of my uh, reps. And then there's other days where I will go in and it's laser, laser focused. And uh-huh. there are things you can do when you have ADHD to train the focus. And there are things that you can do to funnel some of the monkey mind energy, but some of it you just simply can't control. It just is what it is. And so, um, you know, I've been studying a lot lately about Buddhist philosophy and Taoist philosophy I was because, yeah, because I believe that uh, there's a certain level of acceptance that has to happen and a certain level of flow. You know, when you when you read uh, the Tao Te Ching, which I've read many, many times, but this time around, it's hitting me different because the concept of Wu Wei, which is essentially just going with the flow, the, the work with no work concept. Um, yeah. I've tried to employ yeah. that in my life, understanding that, you know what, there are going to be monkey mind days and there are going to be hyper focused days. And rather than judging them, just go with what the brain does. You know, sometimes you're going to be driving me, the boat and sometimes you're going to be surfing on the wave. Tell, tell me what, what, you guys think of this because Steve knows that I love playing <clears throat> with quantum physics. I love reading about that stuff. And what they talk about is light can be a particle and it could be mm-hmm. a wave. If you're seeing it directly, it's a particle. If you're looking for it, it's a wave. And when you collapse, what they call it, collapsing the wave so you see the particle. And I was reading one book, and I think it was called, um, as a matter of fact, it's here, The the Dancing Wooly Masters. And basically what they've said is monkey mind is your quantum self. Monkey Mm. mind is your mind all over the place looking for possibility, understanding possibilities that everything so much exists. And it's up to your conscious mind to collapse the wave into something that you then choose to work with. But that when you're not choosing, when you haven't made a decision to work with anything, then you're into your quantum self. You have all these ideas. It's almost as if, I don't know if you guys, have you ever read um, uh, uh, James Joyce's Ulysses? No, I need to. We've talked about that so many times. I need to do that. Yeah, he's he's the probably father, the father of the, inner interior unconscious monologue. 
or the interior monologue that just seems to go and create um, uh, dialogues, monologues. And then all of a sudden something will happen in your life that you have to focus on, you focus on it. And when you're not focusing on it, you're back into this world of all kinds of things. And so quantum physicists that also play as um, spiritualists think that that's our quantum function to be in this monkey mind of ideas and all types of things until we decide to collapse it into one particular idea. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. And and I don't know if it fits that, uh, that model yeah. or not. I mean, uh, I, I definitely think that uh, at least from what I've read, and, and I think Dylan's a good example of this, a lot of people with ADHD, um, they have a tendency to be very, very insightful. They have a tendency to be people who see things that others don't see, who feel things that others don't feel. You know, wow. I, I, uh, in this uh, ADHD <clears throat> 2.0, I wanted to read this. Uh, the authors talk about these paradoxical tendencies. Okay, so I'm just going to read a few of them. So they say that there's unexplained underachievement. So this could be, hey, if, if there's some of these things, I, I may be uh, a person that has ADHD. Again, you should get tested. A wandering mind is another one. Trouble organizing and planning. A high degree of creativity and imagination. Trouble with time management and a tendency to procrastinate. And that one's fascinating to me because one of the things that I learned is that people with ADHD have a very, very low tolerance. You know that that uh, saying, uh, people don't suffer fools well? Um, we, we, people with ADHD have a very, very low tolerance for things that they're not interested in. If there's no interest level, you just like, you, you'll leave that conversation. And you may mentally leave it before you physically leave it, but you will be compelled to get up and just walk away. Uh, next is strong will, stubbornness, and refusal of help, which is a fascinating one for me too, the, the refusal of help. I found that many times in my life. Uh, generosity, restlessness, unique and active sense of humor, trouble sharing and playing with others early on, but at the same time, a desire to make friends, exquisite sensitivity to criticism and rejection. So again, this goes back to that regulator switch not working, impulsiveness and impatience, and then finally, an itch to change the conditions of life. Uh, there's others in the book. So if you if you know you want to read a great book on it, or you're curious, you know somebody that you think might have ADHD, ADHD 2.0 by Halwell and Ratty is a good one. Uh, Dylan, what what are your thoughts? I mean, this monkey mind concept that Miles is talking about, tapping into something that might be a little bit more cosmic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so as you were reading those. Uh, one of the things it's not that I wasn't interested miles, <laughs> I don't want to be rude, <laughs> but you start, but you have ADHD, so you can, you have an excuse not to be interested. So that's why, well, you know, I, I guess like, I really, I, I try to not be rude, but it's just, my mind just drifts off, you know, as, as, yeah. as people are talking and, and speaking. And, um, so so yeah, I like, I like the idea of the go with the flow and, and that sort of thing, but there, there are times that it just, it is crippling to, mm. to, to have ADHD. It just, it stunts your day. It just, it stops everything, you know, as Steve was talking about 
his reps, like forgetting his reps. Like that's literally every time I work out, I, I do not mm. like, I will be working out lifting weights and I will not remember where I'm at, like what I'm doing, what set I'm on. I have to like, I have to be in the gym and type it into my phone or like write it down. Or I've been able to find certain programs that like is timed and I go along with the time. So, um, but yeah, so as far as, you know, like if it's, I guess it's kind of what I was hearing is it's, it's just a natural thing. Is it just kind of ebbs and flows in some people and, and some people are just, their brains are just wired differently is, is kind of the overall like understanding that I have of, of all of this. Yeah. And it's interesting that we talk about it as a disorder and that's, that's the one piece. So, you know, they talk about attention deficit hyperactive disorder. And one of the things that I've read from multiple authors is they say, we probably need to re uh, reframe that because it started as ADD, then it went to ADHD. And they said that that's probably not even the best definition of it because you could look at it as a disorder, but there are many things about it that are superpowers because you have the ability with this monkey mind to shift from one thing to the next very quickly. In fact, people with ADHD can go from one thought to the next in just a millisecond, whereas it, and they're very adaptable. Uh, the other superpower is you do have the ability at times to focus and get things done for a really, really long period of time. You have this mental endurance that a lot of people will look at and just say, wow, how did you do that? So, you know, I, this is a conversation my daughter and I've had. I said, if you look at it as a disorder, it can be if it disables you from doing things that are that allow you to function in life. But uh, it's also a superpower if it if you lean into it like that. Miles, you had a question. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> it's just really interesting that in reading, you know, again, going back to the Buddhist literature, and, and I read tons of Buddhist literature, and they've actually used words like monkey mind and you know, Buddhism has been around for 5,000 years. So are you are yeah. we kind of intimating that for 5,000 years, the Buddhists have been dealing with ADHD? Oh, I'm sure it's that, been around for a yeah. long time. Yeah. But it's such a general, when, they, when they're talking about the manipulation of the mind, they're always talking about that. So are we talking about, you know, I mean, let's think 5,000 years ago where they were probably... I'm going to limb and say this many different distractions mm-hmm. or, or distractions relative to the time period. Yeah. And, 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 but Buddhism has been talking about this monkey mind, this controlling of the mind to have the best life. So are we saying that we're just realizing that this monkey mind is ADHD or is it been around so long? It's a natural condition of human beings. I just, I think what we're saying is that we are the most elevated human beings that are out there now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so that's like that book, the natural superiority of the left-hander that yes, yes, that I swear by. (laughs) Yes. Yes. 
Well, I think there, so everyone that has ADHD uh, deals with it in a different way because the symptoms are different for each person, right? There's a lot of things uh, from a biochemical, a lot of things from a, just a physical makeup, a lot of things from a uh, habitual, a lot of things from a historical context that uh, create challenges for people. Um, you know, I think about the one that they talked about in there that uh, people with ADHD, they tend to want to do a lot of things on their own and they have a hard time asking for help. Um, you know, that was a really hard thing for me for a lot of years. And I think that that stems from needing to figure things out so that it makes sense to me because I would sit in school uh, as Dylan referenced, you know, I, I was the same way. There were times where I'm sitting there listening to what the teacher is saying looking around at everybody else and and it seemed like everybody got it and i would just think to myself what the hell is going on i uh, this i don't understand like how do they get what she's saying and nothing is connecting right um and so i had to dig in and i had to learn how i learned and a lot of that had to be kinesthetic. A lot of it had to be visual. I had to draw pictures out. Yeah. I had to take a concept and and fully deconstruct it. You know, I remember uh, in business trying to figure out how to analyze a profit and loss statement. It took me two months to just even get the basic concept. And then uh, through repetition and writing it out and doing it over and over and over again, I finally got it. But man, that was a huge challenge. And I didn't want to ask anybody for help because in a way it's embarrassing. You feel like you're always late to the game. Everybody else understands it. You're like, well, shit, I'm the dumb guy in the corner that doesn't get it, right? And Dylan, I know you're shaking your head. Tell me, uh, what what are some of the challenges that you've you've found with this? Yeah, I mean, man, back in school was, there was a lot there. I mean, like you were saying, I'm, you could sit there and just look around and everybody seemed to understand and seemed to get it. And there was multiple times where I'm, I, I think back to school and it was the, it was all the science classes, the English. Uh, the only time English was good was being creative and writing, mm-hmm. you know, an essay or like uh, telling a story or something like that. That was the only time I could be creative. Um, but the math, like, when I was in school with math, it was a struggle until I got to geometry, when I could see visually see shapes. And I'm like, well, of course, yeah, that's like the square footage of a room or like, you know, that sort of thing. So it it made sense. And it's looking back, it's interesting to to see the classes that I excelled in, and, and then the ones that I didn't. And, you know, and back in high school taking arch- architecture and drafting like that was fun and exciting and i paid attention and i could i could go into that class i had that class for three hours or three class periods and i could go into that class pay attention the entire time then the next class was science and i was gone i would just mm. I, I wasn't even there and so multiple times throughout my childhood i just remember thinking like wow, am I, I'm the dumb kid in class. Like that I've always struggled with, with, uh, reading, especially reading out loud. It gave me anxiety. Like there was just a lot of stuff there 
growing up and I would have to go out the hallway. They'd pull me out of class and I'd go read with a, a tutor in the hallway to bump my reading level up. And there was also a lot going on at home during that time and in my elementary years, but, um, and even into high school and stuff, but it was just, you know, there was, there was just a lot of times where it's like, man, this is really a difficult thing. Like, but now knowing at 30, like, okay, well, I wasn't the dumb kid. I wasn't the, the kid in school that, you know, just, just didn't get it. There was other ways that I excelled better than other students. You know, there was, there were certain classes where you go to art class and it's like the kid that could finish his test and his assignment in school, in class, had no homework, would struggle with art because they couldn't create or be creative and get those creative juices flowing. Um, so, yeah. So looking back, and I guess that's one of the things with coming on this podcast, like I really wanted to iterate to people, like if you feel that you have ADHD or you do have ADHD, you're not the dumb kid. You're not the, you know, you're not the kid that isn't going to make it. Like, I feel mm -hmm. that creatives and a lot of it, people with ADHD are extremely successful and, and are, are the type of people that are going to be the CEOs are going to be business owners. They're going to be the ones that excel really well in those fields rather because they can communicate to people. They can, they might not be the smartest person in the room, but they're the person that everybody looks to for the answer. And yeah. I, I just, that's one of the things coming on here. I just, I really wanted to get a, across was there's, there's a lot of opportunity for people with ADHD. So, well, so and really, there's no different. I mean, ADHD has no uh, implications when it comes to IQ. Right. Uh, people with ADHD can have high IQs. They can have low IQs, and so it's you know it doesn't there. There's no um, there's no push onto that. And multiple intelligences that people can have. I mean, I found often, like you were talking about, there were times where I'm sitting there in the class and somebody's you know, getting that thing that I couldn't get, but I could sit back and like, oh, there's a weird vibe in this class. That person doesn't like this person. The teacher doesn't <laughs> like that kid. You know, and I could, I could see through things quicker and, um, you know, but, but yet that math problem, I, it made no sense to me at the time. Right. So, so we go again, um, now that we've, I mean, if you guys have talked, um, kind of what it is and how it affects you, what causes it? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't know that they know. Um, you know, there's a lot of research out there uh, to understand what it is and what it isn't. Uh, there is some indication that it can be genetic. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, there's nothing definitive out there that says, okay, this is what it is. Far, far too many people uh, go uh, throughout life and never get diagnosed with it. And I say far too many because I think that it is important to uh, to get some sort of diagnosis. I think that was one of the most freeing times of my life. When I went to the uh, psychologist and we sat down and we just had a conversation and she looked at, you know, I took the test before going in. They do this online basic test that you go through. 
Uh, and then uh, we sat down, had a conversation and she looked at me and she smiled. She says, well, you definitely have ADHD at a very high level and here's why and explained it to me. And man, I walked out of that office like beaming because right. I knew what it was. Now I have an answer. Now I don't have to walk around. And, you know, it, it was almost like when the diagnosis happened, I was free to just accept who I was. Because up to that point, there was always this thing in the back of my head that said, you're different, you're different. There's something different, but I had no idea what it was. I just thought I was kind of a weird dude that I thought different. I felt different. I could, I was creative different. I uh, saw things different, but then once I realized, oh, this is how your brain is wired. It was like immediate acceptance of this is badass. Now yeah. I can figure it out. Now I've got a tool. And on those days, like Dylan was just talking about with his day off where, you know, I'm bouncing all over the place and I don't get anything done. And I have a hard time making a decision. I can look back at the end of the day and say, yeah, the hell with it. You know, it just <laughs> wasn't a great day, but that's okay. That's just the way my brain was today. And uh, um, it'll come back around. So, yeah, I'm not sure what causes it uh, or where it comes from per se, but they do know that the brain is is literally wired different than those that uh, you know have what they call a neurotypical brain. And so, Dylan, tell me, you know, getting diagnosed later in life, uh, you know, in your in your third early thirties, um, how did that feel to you once you got that diagnosis? Was this something that it felt frustrating. It felt overwhelming. I know before you said, yeah, it kind of made sense, but what was the overall emotion or feeling to it? Uh, a lot like you, like it was, it was definitely kind of a freeing experience and like going through that process of just like, okay, someone who's a professional has diagnosed me with this and understands that or helped me to understand that there's nothing wrong with me. Like there's nothing like I, I I'm on my, my own emotional and, and mental journey with within this last year and just, and truly just understanding, like, this is just who I am and, and the way my brain operates. It was, uh, it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders because I'm now able to be like, okay, well now I understand this, or I'm trying to understand it more. What is going to benefit me? How can I hack this? How can I progress? How can I be more efficient and, and progress quicker in life? Um, because as you said, the, the indecisiveness, like I thought about being a barber right out of high school. Like it was, mm -hmm. it was there. I was going to do it and I didn't. And then I waited seven years until I grad, like after high school to then go into it. And I've been into it for, you know, six, six years now. And that making that decision, I'm grateful and extremely happy I did, but it's like that I could look at it and be like, okay, well that sent me back seven years, but I also can look at it like, well, I was given the opportunity to explore and try different things to make sure that's what I really wanted to go into. So it's, but at the same, in the same breath, I'm like, man, I really could have been a barber for, you know, however many 14 years now and really 
you know, progressed further in my barbering career, but it is what it is, but it's, there, there are times that those, those decisions that need to be made. I mean, even something as simple as what do I want to, what do I want to eat tonight? If I don't have a set meal plan that I'm eating this tonight, I'll drive an hour from Sandy to Payson. And if I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to grab a burger. Well, what burger place? <laughs> There's 50 <laughs> burger shops along the way. And I can't make that decision. And I pull in my driveway and I was like, well, I'll just make a, I don't know, egg sandwich or something. Like it, yeah, there, there yeah. are just times that it just, it really just shuts me down. But, but yeah, it's, it, I, and again, I just like, I'm just derailing a little bit, but yes, it was very, the weight was lifted once I figured out that I do have ADHD. So what do medications well, it, do? It, what do they do? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I want to tap, touch on Dylan's comment first, and then we'll talk about that. So um, I, I think that, you know, for me, one of the things that made it most freeing, Dylan, it was that when you get diagnosed with ADHD, and you know, you have ADHD, in a way that just becomes like a, a trait, right? Like I've got curly hair, some people have brown eyes, they, other people have blue eyes, whatever it is, there are traits that we have that we just look at and we accept. It does. You you can like it or you can not like it, but you have to accept the fact that you have whatever it is that you have, and that was one of the most empowering things for me. Was as soon as I was like guaranteed diagnosed with ADHD, it was just like my curly hair or the color of my eyes or whatever else. I just accepted it and said, "Okay, now I know. Now I know." And so, how do I manage this? How do I how do I move forward from here? So to answer your question, Miles, here's the really fascinating thing, and I am not an expert in this, right? So anybody listening to this, any of our listeners, um, I'm not giving advice, and this is not a extremely scientific process. This is just a barber and his client and my and his buddy <laughs> talking. <laughs> um, so most of the ADHD medications that are, that are out there are stimulants. And so you would think to yourself, okay, well, wait a minute. Why would you be on these stimulants if you have this attention hyperactivity, right? So if your brain is going all over the place, but it comes back to dopamine and dopamine receptors. Most of the brain's ability to function and focus um, is derailed because of either lower number of dopamine receptors or just a lower amount of dopamine in the brain. So I've, I've read varying uh, perspectives on this, and I'm not sure that uh, I've seen a consensus on it. But what happens is with these stimulants, this is one of the reasons why people with ADHD tend to go after caffeine and sugar quite a bit, is because that helps to get that increase in dopamine going. Um, but these stimulants help people with neurodivergent brains to focus more. Now, again, this is what I've heard. This is what I've read. This is you know anecdotal and talking to professionals, but I've never taken any any type of uh, ADHD type of medication, but it does help to calm them, helps to focus them from what I understand. Now, I, like Dylan, have decided that, you know, I've made it 46 years in my life up to this point, I would consider myself a fairly functional human being, I relatively uh, healthy, uh, I have uh, healthy relationships in my life, my family. And so I enjoy 
the strategies that I've come up with on my own. In fact, when I went to uh, talk to my counselor about it and she said, yes, you have it. She goes, what do you want to do? I said, what do you recommend? She said, um, you're doing like everything we tell people to do. The only other thing is if you want medication, you can take it. It might help a little bit, but you've literally built up habits over the past, you know, however many years of your life to manage this. And um, so that's kind of where I want to go next is talking about how we manage these things. So Dylan, I know that you've really gone deep into this, this topic. You've chosen not to go the medication route because you wanted to focus on, on habits uh, in your life. What are some of the habits that you've developed that have helped you uh, to manage the ADHD? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. A lot of the habits that I've learned have been from honestly Instagram <laughs> because I don't know if it's just the millennial in me, I guess. I don't know, but the <laughs> Could social be. media yeah. is the way to intake information apparently for me. So um, one, one habit or hack is a list. I always have a list. I have a list of mm of everything I need to do. It's I talking with my counselor. She's like, just have a brain dump, just get everything out of your brain onto paper, handwrite it out. It's more stimulating that way. And yeah, it's very cathartic. It gets it out of your mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, so that's super helpful. Um, and then I go through that list and I organize what's priority. Um, I don't know if you guys can really read the white or clear board behind me, but it's a list of things I needed to get done before our trip to Hawaii this weekend. And so I, <laughs> it's funny because Christina, she's also now learning about ADHD, how she handles it. Um, and one of the things is having your partner or someone there to watch you do the thing or to help you with your list. <laughs> and so I, we both came in here, she wrote down on the whiteboard, what I need to get done, not what she needs to get done. She was just helping me to focus in on what I need to get done. Um, and so, so having a giant board and Dylan is the blue Sharpie, you know, and Christina's the red one and we have our list, do our thing. And so it's just, it's very helpful to have that um, exercise routine, um, having the same process every single morning you get up, do your thing, whatever that is, if it's meditation or immediately into the gym or putting your favorite socks on, whatever it is, like you just, yeah. you, just you just do that routine. It's that helps you guide your way into your day. Um, oh man, now I'm blanking on my other stuff, but mostly, mostly it is it is the list. It's the, the routine, the, the habits that you create that are going to be beneficial. Um, for the longest time for me, I definitely would like, I'd have a day where the monkey brain would be in full effect. And I just would then be done at the end of the day and like, wow, I accomplished nothing. And mm -hmm. I would then beat myself up and I would tear myself down, which is not beneficial at all. And that's, that's one thing that I've really tried to focus on more than, you know, anything else is just like, 
giving myself that grace and giving myself that opportunity to be like, it's okay. You, you, you got through your day, you did your thing, but tomorrow's a new day. You can, your brain could be clicking, could be firing all, all cylinders and you, and you can get through it. Yeah. Those are, those are great tips. I, I love what you're talking about the list. I mean, I keep journals and I, and I type a lot on my iPad with the things that I need to do. The other thing that I've done, um, to manage is I have an organizational system for almost everything because one of the things that happens with an ADHD brain is you forget. If you set your phone down and you don't do it in the same place every single time, you're going to forget, you're going to lose things. And I learned early on, if I could create a system for even, you know, I'm looking at my office and how, uh, my closet over here, how my clothes are hanging. Um, I've got them organized by, you know, length of the, uh, the shirt sleeve and then color. And it makes life so much easier. In fact, there's a, there's a quote that I love um, that Barack Obama said that when he became president of the United States, he, he only uh, would wear two colors of suits. He'd wear a, bl a, a blue or a gray. Um, and that was it because he had to reduce the number of decisions that he was making during the day. And that resonated with me because <clears throat> I you know, if I have too many decisions to make, I, I'm going to be going in a million different directions. So my routines and the, and the systems that I have in my life, I set once and I decide, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And then I may come back to it later on and adjust it or adapt it, but I do the same thing. You know, Dylan talked about his routine of getting up in the morning. I've got the same routine. I mean, it is clockwork. I get up, I come upstairs, uh, I, I grab the book, I sit down, like it's the same thing every single day. It's probably if somebody watched my life, it would be watching that old uh, Jim Carrey movie, The Truman Show. You know, I say the same things to myself every day on the way to the gym. I walk in the same, I go sit in the sauna for five minutes and then I'm out. Like it is repetitive. Uh, I, I've had people in the past joke and make fun of me because of my routines and say, well, you're obsessive compulsive. And I said, well, I've actually thought about that. And I got, uh, you know, I got tested for that. It's not that it's the fact that with ADHD, if I don't have my routines, I forget far too many things and it just kind of makes me uh, very confused. So having a system for everything makes a big difference. One of the things that I found, especially in this last year, is that my mental health does so much better when I am lean and fit. And, um, you know, workout and exercise is important, but I found that as I got my body fat lower, my brain functions so much better. In fact, I would say in the last six to nine months, uh, I've had so much more mental clarity as I've really dialed in and figured out my nutrition and my my strength training even more. Uh, but it just, it makes a massive, massive difference. And then, you know, I wanna come back to Dylan to what you said earlier. Um, as I mentioned before, I've been studying a lot more Buddhist and Taoist traditions lately because, uh, you know, in Buddhism, the idea of, of this ultimate level of compassion for self and compassion for others is there. And that's really something that I've had, I've had to struggle with over the years, like you, Dylan, I, if I had a bad day where I wasn't focused or I didn't get stuff done, you know, man, I would beat myself up over it. I would feel so bad. And now, 
you know, at, at 46 years old, I'm pausing and saying, wait a minute, this is just, that's just the way that you're wired. You can't get mad at your curly hair. You can't get mad at the color of your eyes. Don't get mad at the way your brain is. Uh, have some self-compassion because if you want to accomplish something, you will. It might just take another day to get there. So I think there's a lot of great techniques out there that people can employ. Uh, but a lot of it is that trial and error process, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was going to say one more that I thought of as we were, you know, as you were talking, uh, time limits setting. I have yeah, this little big time cube thing that sets it <laughs> That's for awesome. 60 minutes, five minutes, 15. And my intention <laughs> is to come into the office, set that up. And I'm here for 30 minutes. I, I'm going to go run through all my emails, clear the computer for 30 minutes, and then I'm off doing something else. And then on my phone, it's the same. I have a five-minute social media timer. So mm. that goes off. It's my first thing in the morning. And then I really, really try to not bypass it. There's times that I have to. I mean you know, Steve, you and I have messaged through Instagram just for haircut appointments and things like that. And yeah. so yeah. I have to jump on there and like, but I really try and focus to not be on social media, even though there are times that it, there's really good things and the ADHD, like there's good hacks, but a lot of times I'm looking at cars, like, let's be honest, I'm getting that dopamine <laughs> hit. I'm looking at whatever's going on in the world of cars. So another beautiful truck. Right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, it's, I really, a timer is a huge, huge benefit uh, for me. So. Yeah, that's a big one for me as well. And I don't know if you feel like this, but one thing I've noticed lately is that the way I dress uh, directly influences how I show up in life. And I've yeah. always believed that, right? Dressing a certain way, you're going to show up different. And so I used to wear suits all the time with a previous job. I don't anymore, but I still have to have a sense of refinement in what I do or what I wear. Um, on days where I just throw on sweats or a hoodie and, I, um, and I'm just like kind of hanging out, even if I'm going out to do something, I'm not focused because it's almost right. like I look down and I think, oh, hey, it's relaxed time, right? right? So I've noticed how much for me in particular, that when I've got to get something done, I need to dress in a way that I can then show up to get that thing done. So yep. it's just it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's a weird little hack that I found. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a big one for me, too. I, I think a lot of the times for me, it was more out of fear, growing up in a smaller town in Payson, going to walmart or any store and bumping into a friend from high school you know i've been out of high school for 12 years now but you know at worst a, a ex-girlfriend from high school and i look unkempt like i have a yeah, hoodie sweats right. on you know that for me was a big factor but anymore like if i have a morning where oh i i'm choosing to put you know, sweatpants on after my morning shower versus pants, you know, to get outside and get doing something, I will stay inside for the majority of the morning because yep. I've chosen to put those, those comfortable clothes on, you know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. It's interesting what the physical environment, um, 
you know, and, and everybody's a little bit different. So my daughter and I were talking about this recently. I love wide open, super clean spaces. I don't want to see a lot of things. Minimal is better for me uh, because that opens my mind up to being creative. It also doesn't clutter my thoughts. She does better with a more maximalist. She wants to be able to see everything and she can boot, do, 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 and then that helps her to focus if she can see all of that right there in front of her. Yeah. And so again, the ADHD is really a tale of these dichotomistic, diametrically opposed characteristics. Yeah. Well, Dylan, um, we are coming up on our time here. I want to, um, you know, thank you for for coming on and uh, yeah. uh, opening yeah, really up and, and yeah, talking <clears throat> to us. Um, I know we've talked about a lot of great things tonight and we've talked about, you know, some great habits and told you a little bit of your story. Um, if there's one important habit that you want our listeners to build off of, or if there's one bit of advice and it doesn't have to be about ADHD, because I mean, let's face it, you're the barber, right? So everybody <laughs> talks to the barber. That's right. why you're a barber, not just because you're great at cutting hair. You're a great listener. You got wisdom. Right. So what's what's that one barberly advice you would give to our listeners? Oh, man, uh, I would. If you're if I would say creating the habits. ADHD or not creating those habits of of your morning routine, your workout, whatever it is, whatever you're trying to accomplish in your life go for it, but understand there needs to be a structure behind it and understand that once you're, when you create that structure, good things will come. And I feel like that has been beneficial in my life. I've been able to create successes with building that structure, understanding, like doing these routine things, help me to progress, help me to, to be creative and and to to create the the joys of life. That's awesome. And I can see that in just in knowing you and seeing what you create. I mean, you buy and build and fix cool cars and trucks. I mean, this the helmet thing, like we talked about at the beginning of this, the stuff that you build, like it's just, it's yeah. mind blowing to me with uh, all the creative projects that you, that you put together. Obviously you're great at what you do. You make a guy like me look better every time I come in and see <laughs> you. Um, so thanks again for, for coming on the episode. Uh, so on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the Evolve podcast. I want to thank our guest, uh, Dylan Clark, for joining us and my co-host, W. Miles Riley. Uh, Dylan, I know that uh, you're a hard man to get into, uh, right. but if somebody sees me on the street and they see how good looking I am because of my haircut and they want to come and see you, what's yeah. the best way for them to contact you? Uh, best way is to go probably you could either google the shop wild boar barbers and sandy or uh jump on my instagram is uh revelry underscore barber uh you can book through there uh, message me i'll i try like i said earlier i try to stay off social media but i also have to glance at it every now and then so i might miss your might take me a day or two but i will get get back to you and yeah, right now it's it's busy times. It's getting into the holidays, so I'm I'm pretty much 
a month and a half out right now. So it's great for yeah. me, great, you know, for business, but it's, it's really hard to, to, to get into the shop. So, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it's a, at least a two to three weeks and sometimes a month, month and a half. So if anybody wants to get in to see you, they got a, they got a book now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, Dylan. And hey, folks, remember that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.